going to get through this. Because Ryan apparently didn't preach any of Galatians 4. Is that... Is, five. Yeah, one... Okay, Kim did one through seven. And then Ryan had the rest of it. I don't know if he got through much of it. So let's just get a little recap. We're going to throw up... This is our, our Galatians recap. Big context for Galatians is that Paul is trying to say that the Messiah is enough and pushing back against any worldview, any law, any humanism, anything that would say that the Messiah is not enough, all right? I do have some slides too that she'll throw up there at some point, which will be awesome. So there's this group of Mosaic law practicing Jerusalem living people that have made it all the way over to Galatia, and Paul's hearing about it, that they're trying to force this group of growing Jesus followers in the area of Galatians, the churches around there, the house churches, to jump into circumcision and following the Mosaic law so they somehow can be right with God and in the family. Okay, that's the kind of like pressures coming down. And Paul is so upset about this because not only are they saying like, like that's what the way it should go. They're saying, no, this is what Paul said too. This is what Paul means. Paul, if Paul was here with you, he would say the same thing. And he is like adamantly like, I was, that's not what I came from. I was in the whole law. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was through, through and through a Mosaic law follower to the highest degree. And all of the law and all of the prophets that I followed, all were fulfilled in this man, Jesus, the resurrected King. And he had this moment where he becomes uh, blind and, and is converted to follow Jesus, but he never gave up the story of the old covenant and what was happening. It was just fulfilled in Jesus for this new life. And now he's proclaiming it to all the Gentiles, all the people that are not part of that Mosaic Jewish family, God's chosen ones that were part of that covenant. Kind of makes sense a little bit. There's this old covenant God made with Israel not with us, we weren't there, okay? Let's just get the, we weren't the ones there. Neither were most of these people in Galatia. They, they, they weren't there either. They weren't part of that whole thing. But there's this whole group saying, to be part of that, now you should jump into circumcision, cutting your body, and then following all the adherence to all these tons of laws. That way you'll be right with God, okay? Paul's like, Okay, we're, we're moving past that. I want to tell you that everything that is in law and the words of the prophet, he says this, that Jesus is the fulfillment of every one of those things. Any message that you've heard differently outside of this is trying to tell you that the Messiah is not enough. So there's your grand context for Galatia, uh, Galatians is that God is not enough. Jesus is not enough. Messiah is not enough. Those are the worldviews that he's fighting against. Those are the religious views that he's fighting against and wanting to fire us up a little bit. So he's going to land the plane a little bit here in Galatians 5. And I think a lot of us know Galatians 5 is where it talks about the fruits of the spirit. It talks about the flesh. It talks about these kind of dueling desires within us. And that's where we're gonna kind of jump through a few of these verses so that we can get to a fun story I wanna tell you. <laughs> no, the story matters, but 
the words of Paul here in the Bible matter even more. So here we go. We're gonna jump in Galatians 5, two through six. It says, look here, I, Paul, am telling you that if you get circumcised, he's going back, the Messiah will be of no use to you. I testify once more against every, per, every person who gets circumcised that you'll have to then be under obligation for the, perform the entire law. You will split yourself off from the Messiah. You people who want to be justified by the law, you have dropped out of grace. You know, right? Harsh. For we are waiting eagerly by the spirit and by faith for the hope of righteousness. For in Jesus, the Messiah, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any power. What matters is faith working through love. So simply, Paul's jumping in to again declare that anything that says the Messiah is not enough, that the Messiah doesn't cover every area of your life or lead you into redemption, any worldview uh, is a empty path. You're, you're dropping out of this grace journey of Jesus. And he ends this section there. Do I have those slides? Oh, okay. I'm like, I was gonna follow the slides. So this, yes, thank you, that perfect. What if I didn't have any notes? I don't know what I'd do. You saved me. My favorite part of it, we're gonna do these in little sections, but the first part he says, don't fall out of this, this rhythm of grace. And he ends this, for in the Messiah Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any power. Let's put it this way. Neither your rule keeping, your great performance, or your rule ignoring, your bad performance, neither have the power to bring you freedom. That's what he's trying to tell them. So like, uh, my great performance to just do all the stuff and show up, that somehow will make me more loved? No, he says. And my bad performance where I just don't meet the mark or don't show up, he's telling them, even that won't disqualify you more than the other thing qualifies you. Neither are, uh, have the ability to lead you into the freedom of Christ. Only through Jesus, the gospel of grace, can you become and feel and live through a freedom that he is offering. So, I mean, I think that's kind of good news for us. Like, they're equally the same. Like, I'm, my worst stuff doesn't disqualify me, and my best stuff doesn't qualify me. Man, that's like our, I grew up in church like that. We just, we're always trying to qualify ourselves. I'm that way. We're all that way but then sometimes we lean the other way. What matters is faith working through love. This is something where he's kind of pushing us towards this idea that our inward journey, what's happening inside of us, what God's doing within us as a community, what's he doing with the Galatian people is leading them to so in love with what Jesus has done for them that it bursts out to the people around them. And he starts talking about that in the fruits of the spirit. He talks about, oh, the works of the flesh later on. But let's start thinking, this isn't just like, oh, I'm on the mountaintop. These Galatian people are just isolated people in one little spot experiencing the Lord and nothing I do matters to anybody else around me. If I'm doing good, then that's all that matters. And Paul's trying to institute what really matters is what's happening through you and out of you. 
He sees what's happening in the family of faith in the Galatians and he's starting to see stuff kind of fall apart because of what's been happening inside when they believe these words from these intruders. So let's keep jumping down. I know it's a little bit fast. This is huge and thick. Paul then kind of does a side, side little note here. If you've read this ahead, you're with us. He's like, okay, pause, side note. You were doing so well. Who got in your way? Who stopped you? Who persuaded you by this truth? This persuasion did not come from the one who called you. A little yeast works its way through the whole lump. I am persuaded that the Lord, persuaded in the Lord that you won't differ from me on this. But the one who is troubling you will bear the blame, whoever he may be. So Paul's doing this whole like side note, like just to be clear, this didn't come from me. This is not what I was sharing with you through Jesus earlier. I just wanna make it really clear. I'm so upset. You were doing so good. Why did you turn back with these people? Why were you persuaded? He even says, maybe they should just cut everything off and we'll just move forward. He's really intense about this. But he says one little line, even a little bit of this, like yeast can spread through the whole thing. So even a little bit of this thinking in the Galatian life and following Jesus' life can do damage. Just even a little bit of this thinking. That's how passionate Paul is about encouraging the Galatian people. And that principle he's pushing through the ages and through Jesus, we get to experience too though we weren't the ones there, that principle understanding that there's some thought processes, there's some thought path lines, pathways, that even a little bit of it starts to do damage. This idea of performance, this idea of bad performance disqualifies me, good performance qualifies me. So he continues on. He jumps back from his big, big thing. He says in verse 13, when God called you, my dear family, he called you to make you free. But you mustn't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Rather, you must become each other's servants through love. You see, he's going back to this outward expression of what's inwardly happening to you. He's basically saying this, don't lose your freedom or abuse your freedom. And this is kind of where it begins to shift. He's been talking so much about this slavery to the law, right? Like doing the right things. I'm, I'm, I'm a slave to doing the right things. Man, that's me. Like firstborns represent, right? Like we're gonna do it the right way and this is the right way and we're gonna do it and we're gonna prove it and we're gonna perform it. That is, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one there. <laughs> like, so let's... Or whatever the Enneagram is, the performers, the, you know, what are the, three, the threes out there? Like, we're gonna do the thing and show everybody we're great. That's one slavery that, he, that, that he's talking about. But the next one, he's moving us towards to understand that there are deep things inside of us as broken human beings. And he starts pushing towards a slavery to like a humanism, a slavery to the flesh, to the desires that are inside of us that we all have, I mean, if we really were just way out there, like the most animalistic kind of like just follow, bouncing around, just reacting to everything. I desire this, I desire this, I desire that. That kind of deep parts of us where we all have desires, we all have needs. Those are true, those are there, they're not ignored. And he's trying to get us to understand 
walking from this slavery to the law, there's also, you can be like, well, then I'm, I'm just, whatever, I'm, I'm free to do whatever I want. I can just shift gears and I'll just let it all go. And I'm free to do everything. It's gonna be great. And he's saying, well, that's actually abusing something inside of you that was made to be free through Christ Jesus. Like as Christian was sharing, that identity that he speaks to us, that identity that says you're a son, you're a daughter, that you're safe, you don't need something beyond Jesus, you don't need something beyond the Messiah. Lots of times those needs can get disordered. And as he's saying this, this thing about the flesh, just to we'll give it a little, it's our base primal animalistic drive for self-gratification especially as it pertains to like sensuality or survival. I need this, I want this. My heart wants this, I need this, blah, blah, blah. That kind of, we all have that within us. A self-focused, a self-centered kind of like living where we're just reacting. Man, that's heavy. I'm like, Paul, thanks for shifting the gears. I was really good with the don't follow the law, just be free. Now, now I'm like, don't follow the law, be free. And then you say this. I bet the Galatians were kind of freaking out. Like you just said, don't follow the law and be free. And then he says, for the whole law is summed up in one word. Wait, we just talked about leave the law behind. And now he's saying, but now listen to this part of the law. The whole law, this part, the whole thing is summed up in one word, namely this, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite each other and devour each other, watch out, you may end up being destroyed by each other's, by each other. He's trying to draw the line that that internal disordered desires that Paul's starting to talk about has the full potential, like that little bit of thinking that does a lot of damage to tear apart not only your life, but the people around you. And it's not this disconnected thing, like I do what I want, I'm, you know, like it's legal here, I'm good. You know, I'm this, I'm this. We hear that in our society, it's rough. It's all around us. Well, you know, like this, we're, we're consenting adults, we do this, it's fine, leave it alone. Like, but there's a part of that that slowly tears apart the people around us in our lives. That's what Paul's trying to say to these Galatian people. And maybe he's even trying to share it to us, huh? Maybe, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, we'll see where it lands. <laughs> He says, for the whole law is summed up in one word, namely this, love your neighbor as yourself. Why did he say and bring him back to the law? The Galatian follower, Jesus follower might say, didn't you just tell us to stop following the law? It was very clear, Paul said, the law has no way to bring you into right standing, so why follow it? Why go back to it? But this is what he's trying to say. Through Christ, we are presented with an identity and a freedom to love him, starting with him, that we realize there's freedom. So you're here in this place, I'm free. And that points you back in gratitude and love and connection to the one who set you free. Any person that's ever been freed from something is gonna go back to the person that's freedom and say, thank you. That's normal, I've done it. I'm sure that's happened over the ages. And then he's inviting us to say that your freedom in Christ is to do what 
we want, what we can, what we can do it, and to do what is good. Our freedom in Christ is the power to do what we want and to do what is good through Christ. We get to question that disordered desire that's moving us towards maybe a humanism to giving way to our flesh, all those things, and say, wait, is, is, is Jesus enough for this need or this desire? Because he set me free. And we start steering those back. That's interesting. It's not like uh, this willpower journey, as we're going to talk about. It might seem like, okay, we'll white knuckle ourselves back to what Jesus says. The Spirit is what does that. And he's going to open up a big can for us to invite us into this. So disordered desires lead to the same slavery as the law. He says this. Freedom in the spirit is the power to do what we want and what is good. Underline all those desires that we have, those flesh desires, those things that we know are there. Yes, okay, I know they're there. I'm not gonna raise my hand. He invites, yeah, John's like, wait, should I raise my hand? No, don't raise your hand. Uh, that's, a, that's a Drew thing. Drew's like, raise your hand. Now, come on, everybody, raise your hand more. <laughs> yeah, be honest. He wants you to see that you have those. He wants you to know that you have those. And he wants you to realize that underneath all of that, those desires is that he's birthed and put in you as a son, as a daughter, a deeper desire that kind of surrounds and encompasses your entire life, a deeper desire for him that all of those things that are steering us this way or this way are all part of a brokenness where I'm trying to meet a need or I'm trying to meet a trauma or I'm trying to meet a pain. All of those things, they're there and they're not ignored. It's not like we're talking about physical things are bad and spiritual things are good and some sort of thing. Our flesh and our spirit are a battle inside of us, competing desires. And the Spirit's teaching us to experience and look to the desire underneath. And one of my favorite verses is, Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Underneath my desire for I'm hungry, I need food. I could fast that thing like Jesus fasted and start feeling the deeper desire underneath that Jesus, I just want what you have for me. That's why the practice of fasting following Jesus matters in our Jesus journey. That's why the practices of confession, Jesus, I need this, I have this, I want this. Oh, it feels, feels overwhelming, it's pushing me this way, but I know that underneath this desire to understand who I am in you encompasses all of those other desires. That's what he's trying to say. Let your desires be ordered underneath the identity that you have in Christ. Not outside of them, like I am this because I desire this. That's your like kind of biography. That's like kind of like this kind of story of your life. That's not who you are. My desires are not who I am. Our desires are not who we are. They're not our identity. 
He wants to show us our identity underneath all that. So as he continues on, I, I told you this would be fast and we'd be like pushing it a little bit. Drew's like, come on, Andy, go deeper on that part. I get it. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> what I feel that Paul and what it looks like as you read through this is that there is a, a double freedom that's being offered to you and I. Like a freedom from that kind of guilty, conscious, guilty feeling, like I haven't measured up the law and a freedom from being motivated and pushed by the desires of the flesh, by the desires of like my analytic part, my parts that just kind of steer me, whatever I need, whatever I want, self-gratification, self-focus. He gives us a double freedom through that. I think that's amazing because I, I don't just need the one. I need both. Because if I take the one, I steer the other way, it's generations of people have followed Jesus have done the same exact thing as you and I. We've experienced a degree of freedom from this side and we'll go like, well, then I could do whatever. And then we see ourselves, you know, three months later, really spinning out. And we're like, oh, I gotta, I, what? That, or, that desire got dis, out of order a little bit. Like, I'm totally free to have a drink. Oh, that's great. Yeah, totally free. And then all of a sudden my freedom, not this is everybody's story, like turns into like an entire, you know, COVID time, like I'm drinking every single day, every single morning or whatever it may be. Oh, my desires got all I were. And I see how that's reacting to the people around me. I see how that's pouring out. And he wants to steer me through the spirit back into my identity of a double freedom. So being led by the Spirit, he starts offering this in 16, verse 16. Let me say this to you, live by the Spirit and you won't do what the flesh wants you to do. For the flesh wants to go against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. There, this is happening inside our hearts. This is not like only stuff outside of you is bad and everything inside is good. The Spirit, Spirit, flesh battle, it's all inside of you. All those competing desires are going inside you. For the flesh, oh, they are opposed to each other so, they so that you can't do what you want. They are opposed to each other so that you can't do what you want. That sounds like slavery to me. You can't do what you want. He's calling us, he's like, you chose to follow Jesus and you get to do what you want and what is good. I get to do what I want and what is good through Jesus, it's pushing me back. So the Spirit's always pushing me back through this story, this filter to come back to like, not just, okay, I, I get to do what I want, I'm free. But that thing that is in response to being free, in response to being set free, the gratitude of following Jesus and what does Jesus do? This is how he represents himself to these people. This is how Jesus reaches out to these people. This is how Jesus responds to the Father. This is how Jesus rests. This is how Jesus lets go of anxiety. This is how Jesus responds with healing. That's the story of following Jesus. So if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. This is what he said in Romans. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. 
But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Have we heard that there's kind of those laws of nature like the, that every, uh, is it like force? Like every action has a reaction type thing? Yeah, yeah, you guys are science, science. Thoughts give way to actions. Thoughts give way to actions. And we can feed and follow those pathways of thought to actions and be like, I'm thinking I'm really hungry and I want that potato chip. Right? And I'm like, no, I told myself I'm not eating potato chips today. Willpower can be like, I can battle potato chip. Right? You might be able to make it through there. Willpower can be like, I don't need to do this whole process of setting my mind on things and, and, you know, bringing my thoughts captive and all the stuff that the Bible tells me about that Jesus talks about fasting, confession, repentance, prayer. I don't have to do all those things. Willpower is like, in this journey, I can be like, I don't, I don't want to eat the potato chip. I can do it. And you can white knuckle that life. But what if you hit up against deep-seated trauma? What if you hit up against a deep depression? You have pain. You have people that have betrayed you and your flesh desires and things are ordered through that because you didn't get what you needed at this point or you, you felt shorted on this point and you're just like, I'm just, what if all those disordered desires of the flesh are going through something like that? Do you think willpower is gonna do it? Yeah, not a chance, not a chance. Then we're just going behavior modification. Then we're just deciding I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do and that just kills people too. He's inviting us into a double freedom through the spirit, not outside of it not picking up another flesh. I'll just satisfy my own ability to be amazing by not doing this thing. That's just another pickup of the flesh. Ah, man, I'm just saying this, this is like preaching to myself. This is hitting me in the face. I'm, I'm that. So I'll have a couple stories here and we'll help kind of open this up some. The spirit is working to lift us out of that slavery of humanism, that self-centered, self-focused cycle and the slavery of the law. So Paul jumps in and he says, this is what it looks like. He still hasn't quite said exactly how. He says, live by the spirit, be led by the spirit. Okay. He hasn't, he's, he's getting to that. But he wants to lay this out so really obvious to us. If we give completely away ourselves to our flesh. Now this is giving it away completely. This is not like, ah, I, I just had this rough time. I'm, this is giving myself completely. He's doing this kind of like, just way over the top, this one side. Paul does this a lot where he'll just like throw it out, boom, a really obvious, huge example on this side and a really one on this side so we understand the truth. He says, 
the works of this flesh journey are obvious. And I want you to think about how some of these are played out, such as things as fornication, uncleanliness, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, bursts of rage, selfish ambition, uh, getting into factions and divisions, moods of envy, drunkenness, wild party, and similar things. I told you before, giving away yourself to these, and I'll tell you again, people who do these things don't inherit the kingdom. Giving yourself over to them will not inherit the kingdom. It's interesting that a bunch of those things are how we relate and act to the people around us. Some of them are kind of just like, oh yeah, here's my journey. But if we're talking about uh, sexual sins that are part of it, like we know there's kind of like a, there's a journey with people in that, of course. Some of them are about how I relate to people. Some of them are how I'll relate after I have a blow up with people, like how I have the fallout with people. But so much of these have to do with how my interactions with the people around me. If you remember going back, Paul's talking about a faith. What matters is faith worked out through love, how we interact with the people around us. He's saying that freedom is seen by how it looks with the people around us too. Not just my inner journey, I'm good on the mountaintop. It's how it's reflected like Jesus to how the people around us are experienced. So then he throws this one back. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, great heartedness, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's funny that self-control's on that one because like it's a fruit of the spirit. So I, I need self-control to do self-control or willpower to do these things? No, the spirit does it. So it's gonna come out of me because the spirit's working it through us. I don't have to willpower myself to get more willpower. Like that, I thought that was a funny one. Um, but it's, it's the same things. How is kindness, we know kindness to ourselves may be expressed like I'm kind to myself, I'm giving myself, but kindness is expressed through the people around us. Generosity is expressed with ourselves, yes, but out. All of these have the pieces of how am I living this life outwardly? The inward journey outside of me. Hmm. So he, he says the final statement of this section. I know you're like, that's a lot of chapter five. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Blah, 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 blah. And here it says, if we live by the Spirit, let's line up with the Spirit. Other versions say, let's keep in step with the Spirit. So he just gave us his how. Keep in step with the Spirit. So the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit, Holy Spirit working through Jesus, it's all in the context of, like I said, of Messiah is enough or Messiah is not enough. Those are kind of like the story we're working through, okay? So in the context of Messiah is enough, the spirit of Jesus that we're to keep in step with is him. It's his way of doing things. It's his thought process. It's his uh, dealing with Brokenness. It's his way of dealing with people around us. It's him. There's a willingness to be dependent on him. 
that's the keeping in step. You can't keep in step with somebody and like be like, they're going that way. I'm just gonna, I'm kind of in step. I'm mostly in step. Like Pete was walking with me. I'm like, I'm in step with Pete, but eventually I'm over here. I'm not in step with the one I was following, I was going with. He invited us to follow him. If you're here and you chose to follow Jesus, that's the story, like that's it. I said yes to following you, Jesus. I'm my own, it's my own fault. I said I was gonna follow you. Now I, I gotta take the steps and follow you. He's saying, jump in and follow Jesus. Because the whole context of this, remember, was nothing outside of the resurrected Jesus has any power for freedom, any power to heal us, any power to lead us, any power to make our communities safer or better or make our relationships more pure and more healthy, to relieve us from the temptations of these animal desires that we all have, to lead us into real humanity through Christ, None of it has any power outside of Jesus. So we remember Jesus, right? He's the one that says in Hebrews that he's like this high priest. He's one that he's not just going and doing the, all the church stuff and being like, I will, I will talk to you from the front and tell you about how you're terrible. No, he's the one that in all ways was tempted in all ways understood our anxiety, in all ways felt betrayal, anxiety, depression, in all ways saw the life of a human in the brokenness, but did not give himself over to that flesh story and did not give himself over to just the law over here. He completely stepped into and made a new freedom through himself, the sacrifice. And it also says that it's by his stripes that we're healed. So keeping step with Jesus is we're keeping in step with the one who understands us, the one who knows us, the one with the most empathy for our journey. No one else has, I mean, you could say like, I got empathy, I worked it up, I've been through that. Jesus in his fullness has been through it. That's the crazy supernatural part of Jesus's life lived. If we're to believe the words of the Bible, believe what Jesus said and what the writers in Hebrews have said, that in all ways, he's acquainted with them. He understands them, our journey. The most empathy and by his stripes, we are healed the most healing power. No one else has the ability to leave us into freedom and healing like he does. Let me tell you a funny story. Um, I went to Romania about 15 years ago. It popped up on my radar and I was there with Ryan and Kate and a whole crew. And it, it was this fun little journey. We're going to like the Transylvania mountains where Dracula's at. I'm just kidding. Um, but I kind of thought that the whole time I'm thinking like, I'm gonna run into Dracula in Romania or something. I'm just the it, imagination. But we actually went to this old campsite with this old cabin kind of lodge thing. And we were inviting some of the local children that were very impoverished from the fall of, you know, communism. They're kind of displaced. And they do these summer camps every year. So we were a missions team going to the summer camp. And we're chopping firewood for this thing all day. And I'm out there and I'm like, I'm a man. 
chopping firewood in Romania in the Transylvania mountains and Dracula's around the corner. This is amazing. And I get to tell people about Jesus and love on these little kids that are in just terrible situations in poverty stricken Romania. And that night I'm like, I'm gonna sleep good. And I did not. I woke up about one in the morning with severe pain and I am losing my lunch, my dinner, two days lunch, dinner. Like I am like everything, I'm falling apart, severe pain right here and right here. And some of you may know what that means, (laughs) but I didn't. I'm wandering the halls. I remember my friend John Phil came out. He's like, Andy, what's wrong with you? Just go back to bed, jeez. And I'm like, I can't. And I'm just pacing, I'm just hurting. And Ryan finally found, finds me around 6 a.m. He's like, hey man, like what's going on? I tell him, he's like, dude, I think your appendix is going down. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, no, no way. This is terrible. We're like three hours from the closest hospital and we're in Romania. So what's that hospital look like anyways? This is my head right <laughs> And he's like, I'm gonna call the guy. He's gonna come meet us halfway. And this guy races from the city in his old Mercedes, kind of looks like a kind of old oil diesel rig. And he races there and he looks at me in his broken English. He's like, I can drive fast and, you know, hurt you. Or I can drive slow and you'll still be hurting. And I said, fast, get me there fast. And like, I should have died so many times on that journey, blind corners. This guy's just taking him like disregarding everything. Single aid roads. Somehow we get there in like an hour, but it's so bumpy. We're like flying all around. I'm in the backseat puking. Ryan's holding my head, just rubbing it like, come on, buddy, you're going to make it. We get to this hospital and I'm by that point, I'm about to pass out from the pain. I think it's really going to burst. I get into the triage and I want to talk to you about these, these two doctors I interacted with. The first one, kind of a young dude, triage guy, and he saw me coming and I could tell like he, I was like, oh, a caring face, somebody that can help me. And, and he had so much compassion. He sets me down, he starts talking to me. Oh man, I'm so sorry. He was a, a English speaking, you know, he was like a medical student hospital. So they had a lot of young folks there and, and he's talking to me, he'd been to university. He's like, oh man, I really wanna help you. I understand. And he's looking around, he doesn't, no one's coming and he's, He's feeling bad and he's like, I'm just gonna give you some pain meds. And he has so much empathy for me, so much compassion. I love that man. He gave me the pain meds, right? And I mean, like, it's kind of ignoring that there's something going on, right? But for about like an hour, I felt great. (laughs) He gives me the pain meds. So I'm laying there and I don't know what he thought was gonna happen next because his boss, the surgeon lady comes in and she's basically like, what the heck did you do? I need to diagnose what's wrong with him and he doesn't feel anything. He's smiling at me. He's super happy. I love your empathy. I love your compassion, but it's worthless. Basically, she was so mad. She chewed him out in front of me. She's like, son, I'm gonna have to wait till all your pain comes back. I'm gonna have to wait till it just flares up because I need to know. And I'm like, wait, that means longer? And she's like, yep. So I lay there and she comes back an hour and I am really writhing. I'm just like, you know, can't, and she comes and diagnoses me because she's a surgeon. And if you've ever met a surgeon, they know what's what. No one else knows what's what, but a surgeon, I know what to do. We cut it out. (laughs) 
I am a surgeon. I have the power. I know what to do. I know how to take care of it. I don't care what anybody else's compassion. I, I'm just going to get through this. They have probably sometimes I'm painting it wrong. Maybe surgeons aren't all this way. Maybe they have a little bit rough bed man, bedside manner. Like, no, here's what we're doing. Shut up. Let's go. And so she leads me into this dark basement surgery space where they lay me down. I put my arms out like I'm on a crucifix and I lay backwards <laughs> and everybody swarms me. I'm all alone. They left my friends. They wouldn't let them through. I feel like I'm in some horror movie in the basement of a hospital and they're taking my organs. <laughs> and I wake up and I got this crazy scar and I got my appendix taken out for like 300 bucks. And... <laughs> I mean, like, it's a lot more if you do it here. And they did a great job. The, one of the guys comes out, you have big, black, ugly appendix. I take it out. And that was like the surgeon helper that was with her. He was like this big, tall guy. He was funny. Eventually, Ryan and buddies broke me out of the Romanian prison. And I made it home much less of a man to my wife, Andrea, because I didn't have an appendix. It was gone. So I was less of a man. Just that's the joke. That's the Father's Day joke for you. I made it home as less of a man. I want you to think about those two doctors. I want you to think about this idea of keeping in step with the Spirit. As we're gonna come up, the worship team in a few moments is gonna come up and we're gonna just take a few moments to respond. I got there and I really did want compassion and empathy. A whole heck of a lot. And I got it. And it was nice for about an hour. Sometimes there's people and there's things in your life or even your flesh is gonna be like, this is okay, this is, I feel you, like, I understand, you need this, oh. And there's things that you might do or experience or people that might come into your life that might push in that journey and be like very empathetic to you. And that's awesome, it's good for us to have empathy. When we're walking with, talking about keeping in step with Jesus, we're talking about the person that has all the empathy. He's the source of empathy. He's empathy incarnate. He knows everything that we've experienced. He's with us through it all, never leading us. And then I run into that surgeon who knows everything, maybe has zero empathy, but has the healing power. Those two different doctors, both trying to help me along the journey, but neither of them carrying the fullness of what I needed in that moment. They teamed up and eventually we got there. Everything's great. But with Jesus in your journey, you may be hearing these words of Paul and be like, do you know how deep I'm down this temptation and this addiction? Do you know how deep I'm down this brokenness in my family? Do you know how deep I'm down just following, like trying to make everything perfect and be the good performance? Do you know how deep I'm down that journey? And Jesus looks at you and says, yeah, I do. I'm with you right now, not on the other side of it. I'm with you right now. How do I get out of this? How, how do I go to any place of freedom? And Jesus invites again, do what I do. Lean into me as I lean into the Father. Lean Laying down our flesh is where we once again 
like in the purity of our identity, if we were in the garden, like that just pureness, innocent place is to come under the protection and the provision of God and become dependent and trusting on him, in him. Like I'm leaning on my buddy, right? And you know you're leaning because if I moved, he'd fall. He's not leaning that much. I'm a big dude, let's go, yeah. He's leaning in. You know you're leaning because you're dependent on the one to holding you up. Obviously, there's steps and practices following Jesus. There's more to this story. If we had more time, we'd talk about fasting, the fasting food, and, and we talk about confession, the way Jesus confessed. Obviously, he didn't need to confess, but he showed us how to confess, the pr- prayer. The idea that you are all that I need, Jesus. There's, there's more steps to this, but it all starts with leaning in to Jesus to keep in step because he's the one with the most empathy for you right now. And he's the one with the healing power for your family, for your trauma, for your highs, for your lows. And you're with a bunch of other people that are leaning in too. So we're all kind of leaning all over the place, but it's all leaning in Jesus. And the way we express that out in this community, the way we love, that's how we begin to practice that walking by the Spirit, not choosing the pathways of the flesh through the power of Jesus and his resurrection for us. So let's stand together. And I didn't know these guys, it always happens this way. They chose a song, they were going, it's, 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 we wanna sing this song, it's called Lean Back. And I'm like, what? I'm talking about leaning. I wanna just invite you today. We are celebrating the Father. We are celebrating fathers in our lives. We're honoring kind of what a father is through him. Maybe we didn't experience that or we've inherited something where we feel inadequate as fathers. I know I do all the time. But we are celebrating the one who shows us who the father is, Jesus, today. And we're getting a chance to lean through our trauma, lean through our cycles of temptation and struggle within a community of people that it's safe to do that. And the great cloud of witnesses all gathered around (laughs) saying, go for it, keep running, keep stepping in with the spirit, keep going. Don't give up, don't give in. So Jesus, we thank you that you're here to lead us. We chose to follow you. You said, come follow me. You didn't say change everything or figure out all the desires in your heart or order it yourself, white knuckle it. You said, I will help you form the pathways in your thoughts, in your heart, that actions will come out of you that would not only bring you to freedom, but bring the people around to freedom. That's what you said to us, Jesus. So we embrace it today with a faith growing. Maybe we don't completely see it, but with a faith growing, we embrace it and trust that if we're gonna lean into you, you're not gonna fall out from underneath us. Now just take a few moments and If you have to go get your kids, go for it. 
and you're like, they're gonna blow up. But take a few moments and as the team leads us to create space for you to personally say, where do I wanna lean right now? What do I wanna lean into right now? Yes, Lord.